Joanne, Nathan, just how wrong can the media be? I mean, here we are at the cusp of a decade of mass protest that is going to remake what politics is all about. Mm-hmm. And somehow the media, they just don't see what's happening in front of their very own eyes. I mean, and, and they're party to that transformation, right? I mean, the, the creation of a national civil rights agenda, which the March on Washington was totally focused on trying to generate, runs directly through the proliferation of the television, the, the newspapers, the kind of mass media outlets that are covering that march. But I think it's also really important to keep in mind that part of what was supposed to happen with the March on Washington by amplifying the platform of jobs and freedom, by thinking about the centrality of nonviolent direct action to any movements going forward, was to try to standardize Black politics and standardized kind of civil rights politics. And, now, shine course, a, and shine a light on it, right? It was. It was. And it didn't come without certain costs. So when they decided, for instance, not to allow women to speak at all on the day of the march, that was a bad look in terms of a national movement. And, you know, Malcolm X was as critical as, you know, other observers about the fact that there wasn't more militancy, right? And so what the what the press saw as a benefit, he actually saw as the limitations of the march. And he, and he called it a picnic in a pejorative sense. But that dampening, I think, you know, was another feature of their efforts to nationalize their claims. As shown on the national network news. Right. So you're you're talking, Nathan, about um, the nationalization of it helping standardize the local. And I would add also empowering it. Mm. I mean, again, I I keep talking about the American Revolution because. Boy, that was a big protest. That's but what you're here again, for. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm an 18th century historian. But that's a, also a moment in which you have a sense of a general problem, but you have a lot of local organization about this general problem. And, and what makes it or what helps really create it, a, a revolutionary moment is the newspaper spreading um, right, that right. and nationalizing it in a, in a similar way to what you're talking about here, Nathan creating a national audience and suggesting that there is a national something going on so that while the local is still there and still in operation, there's a power that wasn't there without that kind of a frame. It's easy to forget how colonies were like little nation states and that there wasn't any kind of national anything. And so the the impact of these newspapers, kind of like we're talking about here with the television, was pretty impressive. And is it also fair to say that in that case, it brought a lot more participants into politics than had existed before? Yes. And partly, though, by by empowering and and sort of putting a lot of steam into what was happening locally. But yes, I do think that's true. Right. You know, what's so remarkable about this is, you know, it's almost like we expect movements now to have a certain kind of standardized look. Right. Right. I mean, certainly nonviolent direct action is a big part of that. Marches in open public places. But I was even thinking about, you know, the 2011 march in Occupy Wall Street, where there was a real critique that was leveled largely by the media that the activists in Zuccotti Park in New York and elsewhere didn't really have a demand. Right. There wasn't a single platform Mm. piece that they could point to to say, this is what we want the, the government to do in response to massive wealth inequality, for instance. Right. Right. So they had great rhetorical terms. Obviously, the notions of the 99 percent versus the 1 percent, that totally stuck. But what, I mean, I don't know if anybody could quickly rattle off what the platform was or what the ask was of that protest. Right. In, in a way, that critique feels like it stuck, stuck a little bit. And they didn't have something else, Nathan. They didn't have the kind of leaders 
that the mm. press needs to go to to get good quotations, right. uh, to center right. stories around that one or two charismatic individuals. Uh, think Martin Luther King, for instance. Framing. We're talking about framing again. Absolutely. But this goes back to that point, right, about, you know, the media and the media's approach to these protests. And there, there is still, even with the march in Washington in 63, a kind of, you know, um, let's say, I mean, let's call it conservative leadership model, yes. right? That That is absolutely one of the reasons why the movement becomes so fragile by the late 1960s with assassinations, with co-optations. You can more easily demobilize a lot of these movements if you can identify kind of top heavy parts of the movement structure and basically decapitate them, right? I mean, all of this, um, I think, really did provide a certain kind of lesson for movements going forward in the 2000s and elsewhere, but not without certain costs, like a lack of messaging or certain kinds of vagueness, at least from the part of some of the folks who are less sympathetic politically. 